Hey everyone, welcome back to Neuropod. Again, we have Brian on the show, and this time we're going to be talking about the application of Neuralink in the form of crime fighting. Well, yeah. Um, well, one of the ways is it would not only record the person's uh, thoughts and experiences, but it would timestamp them as well and provide for an alibi if an alibi is there to be provided. So if someone is innocent, they can prove their innocence. Conversely, if they're guilty, they could be proven guilty too, where they would have, at the very least, it would record the, the deed, be it murder or theft or rape or whatever. And it would also include like the planning and um, it would prove that there would be a mens rea like a guilty mind. So it wasn't like they can say, oh, I didn't know what I was doing. Well, no, you, you didn't just spontaneously do it. You know, you know what you were doing and you were, you were caught up in the heat of the moment. No, we have the recording of your thoughts right here. We'll just uh, put it in this robot or computer thing that would be able to uh, play it back. However, in the future, this is set up or the jury would have something that they would wear or would they have it linked up? Who knows? I mean, some people probably wouldn't, wouldn't have Neuralink implants. So this would have to be a medium that everyone would be able to uh, interact with, um, either through some sort of uh, video medium or um, uh, wearing a device or something like that. And then they would see everything from the point of view of the person uh, that was uh, being accused of this crime. Um, and I couldn't even think how you could have a defense for that because what defense is it when you have the, the smoking gun proof? You're not even talking about evidence anymore, you know, unless the evidence submitted would be that it was tampered with or something. Um, I don't know um, how anyone would be able to get around um, being saying that, that they either okay we did the crime but i i didn't have any um criminal intent mm -hmm. well you know that would just play back thoughts of yours where you were actually planning this and mm -hmm. what it would mean uh to you once you accomplish your crime be it a theft or a murder or whatever you know and then um it would compound the uh, the crime if you had every opportunity to seek psychiatric help for your criminal uh, tendencies or impulses, but you didn't. Um, so that would come into not just proving that you did the crime, but it would probably factor in what punishment would be apropos to you, would be applicable and fair. But if you had some sort of mental defect uh, that caused you to do these crimes, it would be, it would register on the, the neural link accordingly, that there was some sort of misfiring or something like that, uh, chemical overload that the neural link wasn't able to compensate for. Um, and then that can come into some legal issues like with the manufacturer of the neural link uh, chip or a competitor, because it may not be neural link, it might be something, you know, similar. Um, or it wasn't installed properly. I mean, there, there's a whole bunch of different uh, avenues 
uh, that can come into play with this that I foresee, you know. Um, but I mean, ultimately, I think when some of the bugs are, you know, ironed out, that it would be more and more accurate and reliable when it came to um, crime fighting. And also, in some cases, crime prevention. Because although no one likes the idea of Big Brother monitoring you and what you're doing, and people are already paranoid that we have, you know, some people think that they have chips in them when they don't, that are recording their thoughts, and, you know, where in this case it would be true. So you don't really want any type of um, human people that are monitoring people's thoughts and their actions with the Neuralink. So you would have an artificial intelligence that did the monitoring and that would only be um, shared with anyone if the, a crime was committed or about to be committed. And then it would the, the appropriate authorities would be alerted. Okay, this person is thinking about a crime um, and the artificial intelligence would have to be programmed in such a way that would tell the difference between someone that's planning a crime or about to just, maybe they're a novelist, they're about to write about a crime or uh, a playwright or, you know, a script writer or something like that. Uh, because people are a lot of half thoughts, even dark thoughts, they just can't do anything about them. Once you start doing something, that's when you cross the line and you need to be, you know, stopped, you know, if necessary before you even commit this crime. So, there would be um, probably safeguards. Some of them might be controversial, but I want, I would hope that the least controversial method and less intrusive to our civil liberties would be applied. And I think if artificial intelligence that didn't have any biases, didn't have any agenda, um, were monitoring these things, um, it would be um, less intrusive and more fair, you know. Um, and especially when it came to very serious crimes like murder, you need to make sure that, you know, we need to minimize, if not eliminate, guilty people um, or people that are not guilty, falsely accused. You know, there's, who knows how many times people have gotten the death penalty that were innocent, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I would hope that something like, like Neuralink would be able to save an innocent person from being falsely accused. And also someone that was guilty being properly found guilty and the appropriate punishment being visited upon them accordingly. So that's, that's how I see it. In some areas, it might go into the realm of precog, um, precognition uh, crimes like um, the Minority Report that came out about 10 years ago with um, Tom Cruise based on Philip K. Dick's novel, um, I think by the same name. But um, all these things that are, or have been science fiction are literally coming true with this neural link. 
and when it happened right away. I mean, it would probably not happen until the second, third, or fourth, or maybe 10th generation down the road, mm-hmm. maybe the 2030s or 40s, where this sort of things that we've been talking about in these, um, you know, talk sessions about it uh, lately. So, uh, but we need, these things need to be explored um, and thought of by the right people. I don't, for all I know, these people that are behind these technologies have already considered it. But maybe they haven't. I would, I would like to really know if these things have been considered or not, you know. So if somehow, you know, a, a short letter could be made that would allow, uh, that would alert the people that are about, you know, behind the creation of these technologies. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe would share a link to the videos that we're talking about. And uh, they would it would open up their eye because they can't possibly think of every single scenario. Sure. I'm the type of person that not only thinks outside the box, I don't even know there is a box, you know? So yeah. <laughs> uh, their, their team might also have people that think outside the box and have uh, they're innovative thinkers, but maybe there's something that they overlooked. You know, I don't want to sound, you know, hubris or anything that, Oh, I came up with some that idea no one else thought of you know but maybe i did maybe sometimes i do i don't know you know i i get a lot of my ideas that are inspired by science fiction Mm -hmm. and then i branch it off from there and i try to apply it to how it could be uh in our not too distant future you know but a lot of my ideas aren't just like brand new they, they already exist. They're just hodgepodge of different ideas that existed elsewhere. And I, I think what would be the most logical and likely um, scenario based on my uh, consumption over the many decades since I was a kid of uh, you know, science fiction literature, movies, television shows, and so on. Um, so that, that would be one of the things that I think Neuralink would be used for. And I'm really happy to be alive and relatively young enough to feel confident that I'll be alive to see these things come to fruition, mm-hmm. you know? So um, yeah, that, that's, that's all I have to say about like the crime fighting aspect of it. You know, I, I think it would be very similar to um, maybe not like my minority report in, in the exact sense, because that gets a little bit different than what we're talking about. But um, it would be similar to that of uh, the show um, of a few years ago called "The Persons A Persons of Interest" or something like that. That dealt with artificial intelligence and gathering information from uh, like security cameras and. Um, being able to devise some sort of algorithm and be able to predict um, when a crime is going to be made and by whom based off of a whole bunch of data like purchases by whom and what they might be used for and uh, people's telephone conversations and all this was all being monitored by um, a very sophisticated um, artificial intelligence program and then 
you know, um, the people that were behind the, the uh, coding of it were trying to um, limit the impact of the artificial programming that went a little bit rogue. So it was kind of interesting how they solved the problem and that these sort of scenarios might actually play out sooner than we think. I mean, a TV show took place in current time. So it wasn't all that science fiction. It was just something that didn't quite exist yet that we're on the cusp of happening. I think these shows are really important. After all, they did inspire Elon Musk, you know, like the Foundation series and other um, Isaac Asimov, you know, uh, novels that dealt with um, the idea of uh, consciousness and sentience and things like that. So all that stuff comes into play. Um, and I'm starting to see the genesis of that right now. And um, some of the ideas that I have uh, are built off of that, you know, but they're not entirely, I'm not trying to make any claim that they're completely original. They're just built off of what already exists, you know. Um, and it, it just makes me, um, it makes me, I don't want to sound cliche, but it makes me happy to be alive. There's so much negative going on. And to be able to focus on something like Neuralink for all the uses, both practical and frivolous even, um, everything in between, it's just um, pretty amazing. Um, and it's just, uh, it, it, it's nice to find other people that are like-minded, you know, that um, are interested and fascinated and excited about this technology and uh, are getting the word out about it. So, uh, you know, that's great. So thanks for doing something I always wanted to do, but that was able to get off the ground. That's, that's great, you know, um, having yeah, a, a channel dedicated to even this one topic, you know, that's, and others that branch out from it. You know, that's pretty cool. I like that. So, yeah. yeah, well, thank you. And uh, I mean, you're gonna have your channel up and running soon, <laughs> I hope. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, Fuller Explanation. That's what, what oh, okay. probably I'm calling it. Um, but, um, oh, be before I, I, I close the topic entirely, I was also thinking another way of how this technology could work towards crime and it'd be like awareness. Like um, uh, it seems that not all police now, but some police, too many of them, seem to not have the proper amount of empathy and sometimes they escalate situations rather than de-escalate them. And if um, they understood things from like the, uh, like a victim's point of view, and from um, like a suspect's point of view, um, they would they would have the empathy perhaps that some might lack, and would also help with the training, like uh, how what type of experiences are going through the mind of someone that went through a trauma like rape or um, were mugged in the park or something like that. So when they, you know, investigate or interview them, they treat them with the compassion that is deserved. So sometimes, you know, they, um, they seem not to always be understanding. You know, some are, some are not. Um, 
I watch a lot of Law and Order Special Victims Unit, you know, which is kind of based on, you know, reality. It's based on um, uh, New York's, New York has um, a special victims division, but they call it on the show Special Victims Unit. But it's uh, basically, you know, investigating sex crimes in particular. So, and it shows, it demonstrates how often the investigators and the, um, the police that are involved, sometimes they have lacked empathy in certain situations or they, they did the victim blaming, you know, oh, she dressed a certain way, she deserved it. Um, or, you know, uh, date rape, you know, where, you know, someone had too much to drink on a college campus, you know, and it was consensual at first, but then it wasn't, you know, that type of thing. But if you had their experiences somehow, you're able to understand what it was like to, to be a victim from their literal point of view. Mm-hmm. And that would help eliminate like someone falsely being accused, you know, but not everyone would have this neural link. So it's not like, um, you know, would it be something that's universally applied because you can't, it's not ethical to force everyone to have this, right. but it would be, it would be very advantageous for people to have that so that they can prove that they really were a victim and not just trying to get someone in trouble. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, so I think both sides, the accused who may or may not be innocent and the, the accuser who may or may not be lying to having their experience and getting their mindset. So people really know and understand better where they're coming from. So when a jury is hearing these cases, they could probably make a better decision, either um, determining guilt or innocence, or if that's been proven guilty, what would be the appropriate punishment for that crime? So I think that that's in uh, one way uh, that this could be used for the purpose of um, crime fighting, crime prevention, and um, training by being able to get into the mind of uh, the people that are involved in these crimes from whichever end, you know, um, and help with um, when it came to like pulling someone over. What does it feel like? Mm-hmm. If the police knew the fear of someone being pulled over in a certain neighborhood because they didn't look a certain way, you know, they would maybe understand if they had those emotions too. Right. You know, and then uh, react differently. You know, um, I think that would be, you know, beneficial. And people might be more motivated than to get the neural link for themselves because it would, it would benefit not just them, but but society, you know, but again, I, I would like to see this done in a way that wasn't too big brothery, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that, that would be, I think that's all that I can say on the subject of how Neuralink could be used when it comes to um, crime fighting and crime prevention. You know, gotcha. um, well, what do you think? Yeah, well, so when you first brought up the idea to me about, um, like using neuralinks to help fight and prevent crime, I thought 
these are basically like Neuralinks would basically be equivalent to a more advanced video camera. And so like, right, yeah. In any crime fighting, like if we just have an audio transcript recording or not an audio recording of what occurred and like the dialogue between two people, like a victim and, and the, the uh, offender or, or whoever the, the, yeah, the attacker was, um, like that audio recording could be really useful. And then the next layer is like video recording. And then right. the this would work that, well with non-technicals like, uh, that have video cameras, or maybe even implants in the eyes too that send a signal to the uh, neural link. Mm -hmm. Because I, I, I've seen the developments of um, uh, contact lenses that have video cameras in it, and they would either record to the cloud or record uh, on your smartphone. Um, but in addition to that, it would record to the neural link. So you would have an actual video representation, video and audio, maybe even something in a year, maybe, I don't know. But you would have that input data along with the thoughts and sensations and emotions. So you, you would have the whole thing, the whole enchilada of the experience. Exactly. Um, so you, you, you can't say, oh, well, the video was tampered with. Well, no, the every, everything is right there. You couldn't tamper with everything. You know, it's just, it's not feasible. You know what I mean? Um, well, I think video, one thing. But. Just to like, I guess, play devil's advocate. I, I think, um, I think it would be possible to tamper with, with some of it. So like, uh, let's say in the case of like audio recording, you know, you could tamper with it. And then if you add it on visual recording, so it becomes video where it's like visual and audio recording, you could tamper just one of them. But obviously right. if there's a misalignment with like what the audio sounds like versus what the visual looks like, then it's much easier to catch. And then the next layer is like the tactile sense and the right. the like smelling sense and the the feeling and emotion and all those types of senses. And then you could theoretically tamper with any of them, but it, if they misalign with what the other senses are showing you, then it's going to be really easy to just tell that it was tampered with. Exactly. The the more you have to um, cover the tracks and to manipulate. Mm -hmm the more likely you are to screw up where something wouldn't line up right, you right. know? Um, so there would be measures perhaps and countermeasures where you could try to fake it, but somehow the more you try, the more evidence there is <laughs> of you trying, you know, there, there'll be more than one camera. Like when you go out and commit a crime, there would be video evidence from different places that had video cameras faced outwards. You know what I'm saying? Like people's ring uh, cameras mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. and places of business. You couldn't fake the video feed of all of them. Right. It would either show that you were at a place when you said you were, or it would show you at a place that you said you weren't. You know what I'm saying? Does that make any sense? Yep. You know, and all that tied in with receipts. If you went to a store, it would show that you went to a store, made certain purchases. Um, it would link up with your car, you know, if you drove somewhere or if you had a 
Uber, you know, all these things, you really can't get away from surveillance, both private and public. So the overall combination of evidence would be really hard for a guilty person to get off scot-free and it'll be hard for someone to be railroaded against the system by having a malicious prosecutor try to fabricate evidence against you. There's just too much of it that it would have to fabricate. You know what I'm saying? Yep. You know, um, and to get a false confession, these things need to be stopped. I'm sick and tired of hearing about false confessions that are done, either through police coercion or through threats. Um, in Chicago, we had a guy about 20 years ago, I think his name was Burgess or something, and he was literally torturing people to get a confession. Mm-hmm. But people with neuralink implants, that's not going to fly. There would be evidence of that. You know, we, the guy would, wouldn't be continued on with this for so long. And if more and more people had neuralink, you know how many, like, just the sheer knowledge that someone might actually be recording a crime that would be happening to them would probably be a deterrent for them right. not to do that crime, be it be, be a rape or a serial killer or, or something like that. You know, it would be harder for for people to get away with these things, kidnappings and stuff, because it would have a have a, a signal sent to a, a satellite that would be able to track your location. And the more it's not more, it sounds oh, this sounds great because it would help you out. It sounds big brothery, but we we gotta kind of get out of that mindset a little bit, you know. Realize the potential of if you're guilty, you're guilty. If you're innocent, you're innocent. Most likely, you know what I'm saying. This would, this should overall help eliminate false um, people being accused falsely. Yeah. And people are trying to get away with something that they really did. Overall, I think the um, the benefits really outweigh the risks of this being a civil liberties uh, violation, mm-hmm. especially if you have some sort of artificial intelligence that's monitoring rather than actual people. Right. You know, and the evidence isn't gathered or observed or looked at by humans until an actual crime you know, is either committed or, or there's evidence or it's about to, so it can be stopped, you know? So um, it would be interesting to see how these things play out in the courts. Because it would probably be challenged, likely, mm-hmm. you know? Um, people um, much more smarter than me would be making the, the decisions, good or bad, of how to go about this, you know? But I think it should definitely be considered yeah. You know, um, but yeah, I don't know what else to say about that. I think I covered everything <laughs> for right now. Well, yeah, no, uh, I think uh, with with like the the potential to completely eliminate, I think, I mean, I guess in theory it's possible, but I think it would just reduce the the number of false confessions or, or false accusations, just like false anything. Um, if somebody does have a Neuralink 
but then it becomes like you know the the analogy of comparing it to a video camera just continues and so like today in theory anybody that's wearing a video camera at all times they have some protection yeah. you know and and it makes it much oh, right, easier right off the bat yeah and, yeah, and it makes it much right. easier for them to to have their case be, you know, be backed up by what the video evidence proves. But right. most people don't have a video camera recording on at all points in their life. So then with the Neuralink, I, I suspect that that would be the same. It's like, maybe you have it on you, but then you also have to have it on and then it has to be on 24 seven in order to be theoretically protecting you. And a, and a criminal, if they had a wearable thing mm -hmm. or for whatever reason, either it was a requirement or they wanted to do it uh, to record their malicious, they could always turn it off too. You can't really turn off a Neuralink that's always on because it's in your brain. You can't put something over it to cover up the recording. You know, it would either record your thought, even if you close your eyes somehow and you just did something, you know, oh, it's not, I can do it with my being blindfolded, so it's not going to have the visual data. But it'll have the textile sensation. It'll have the thoughts that you had of the experience, you know, and it, it might even alert the authorities before you went too far with it or something. I don't know. I'm just thinking, you know, If we had the, the video, that's one thing. You know, we had wearable, but we had so often uh, the cops that are supposed to have it turn it off sometimes. Mm -hmm. At least with the Neuralink, it's harder to do. I mean, I suppose with an app, you could switch it off if you wanted to. You know, it may not always be on 24-7, but, you know, it just runs out of battery, right? The battery too, yeah, it could have a battery issue where it would just, you didn't charge it right, you know. Right. It, which you which could always be intentional. Like a criminal, right. if they have a Neuralink implanted, like le legally they're obligated, like somebody has been accused of a bunch of crimes and then not only were they accused, but they were proven guilty and then they served time in jail. Now they're required by some new law to have a right. Neuralink implant, put it into them. Well. Right. It's, it's so extremely easy for them to just like, oh, well, I forgot to charge it. And then they commit a crime and it's like, oh, well, it happened to be off. Yeah, you know, so other things need to be uh, put in place, the safeguard against that, mm -hmm. um, where it would, it would be required to make sure it was charged. And it, if there was no longer a signal being transmitted to the artificial intelligence monitoring system, then that would be suspicious. It would be like if someone tampered with their um, um, their bracelet, you know, uh, mm -hmm. for uh, home house arrest, you know. Uh, as soon as you tamper with that, it sends a signal that it's being tampered with. Mm -hmm. So if you're not charging it the proper way, or you're trying to come up with some sort of interference or try to erase the memory or something like that, then there would be um, evidence that would detect that, I would imagine. I mean, people are clever, would always come up with ways eventually how to beat the system, you know, but there should be a countermeasures to that put in place.
um, many redundancies. Or however, they end up uh, someone with a better mind, not uh, a better uh, knowledge of these things would probably be able to answer these questions better than me. I'm just speculating, of course. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I'm I'm just hoping that safeguards are put are put in place. I mean, I would assume that they would be. Um, but at least for people that don't commit crimes, this would definitely benefit those who might be falsely accused. Mm-hmm. And then it would it wouldn't even get to trial because you just show the the police, you know, look, mm-hmm. play back mm-hmm. my my memories on the date of question. Mm-hmm. You know, and if they still somehow bring you through the system, then it'll be brought up in court. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I'd imagine like your lawyer um, would um, either simply prove that the times in question don't reflect the uh, data that's being recorded through multiple sources, not just from you, but multiple external sources too. Um, and if there were some sort of tampering or there, there was some sort of um, like I was saying before, some sort of reason why you committed those crimes, because there'd be a point where you can't, it, it's worthless to try to prove that you didn't do it. But mm-hmm. if somehow they can say, well, your brain was wired differently and their neural link was unable to um, detect it and correct it, then there might be um, some sort of sentencing leniency Mm-hmm. where you you don't get off scot-free, but you maybe um, have to go to a psych ward. And then while there, they'll um, try to correct the problem with the Neuralink or whatever device equivalent. Um, mm-hmm. So it would detect your, um, your chemical imbalances and maybe, if necessary, um, put you to sleep. And it was a book that dealt with that same type of thing that I read about 15 years ago called Nine Levels Down um, that was eerily similar to like the nearly concept, except for it was specifically for dangerous criminals to, to stop them from committing crimes before they did it because the brain was, uh, the device in the, in the brain was able to detect um, violent mood swings mm-hmm. and right before they were about to commit a violent act this would release some sort of um, I don't know if it was a chemical or some sort of pulse but it would render the person unconscious so they wouldn't be able to hurt anybody mm-hmm. and then I guess the uh, authorities came in and would, would arrest the person and lock them back up in the uh, psych ward or whatever you know. Um, but that was an interesting book but it was, um, you know, something like that could actually be um, uh, put to use. And like you said, it would probably be not until someone committed a series of crimes where this was now warranted to do against their will, whereas before it would just be voluntary. No one is making citizens right now wear a, a, a 24-7 um, camera, you know, except for maybe the police or they're doing it to protect themselves and also to, to prove crimes 
and prove that they didn't use unnecessary force, et cetera. And I think more with more of these things happening, I think people are going to be motivated to have cameras 24-7. There's a lot more uh, dashboard cameras than ever before. Um, and everyone has a camera on them. It's not always running, though, and that's on their phones. Mm -hmm. We had a little, I've seen these things on, um, on the computer, these cubes that you can put on your lapel. They're easy, and it would just uh, record to the cloud or record onto um, uh, SD drive. Uh, depending on you know how much um, memory it's able to record on, um, I guess after a while it erases itself, which would be problematic if you if it erased something that would prove your innocence. I like the one where it records to the cloud, and that requires more money, but it might be worth it. You know, especially in the, these times of eight, uh, these how they are. You know, um, things are just so chaotic. It, it's nice to have something that would um, you know, prove you're innocent if it came into play or keep you safe. Like if you notice that the area you're walking through was unsafe either because of civil unrest, protesting, mm -hmm. rioters, who knows? Mm -hmm. So you want to have something that goes live to, I don't know, Facebook or YouTube. Mm -hmm. So people are watching to make sure like if anything bad happens to you, they're able to see it and get you help. You know, like call the police or whatever, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's you like know, the ultimate data tracker. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think like generally um, these ideas that you're bringing up, uh, you know, you were talking about earlier how you, you're you kind of uh, apprehensive to, to, to say that like you're the one that might come up with ideas that people inside Neuralink, that team may not come up with. But it's, yeah. it's really not like just you, right? Like it's the sum oh. total of all the people outside Neuralink could come up with, or like, it's just statistically probable that they'll come up oh, with yeah. something that people internally will not. And so it's a matter of like us being able to really figure out like, okay, what are the most important ideas that we would possibly be able to share with people internally and then communicate those ideas in a really concise way. And then like a, a really like thoughtful way where we're demonstrating like, okay, we think this because of X, Y, and Z, and we think the consequences are A, B, and C, and, and then have them like actually look at it. But it, I think it would have to be so significant that we think of like something that's like absolutely game-changing or super critical that they think of, that we think of that they may not. And then it's right. like, okay, we have something. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, I don't wanna be, um, presumptuous, oh, they will never think of this. Um, and then reach out to them, look, yeah, yeah, well, of course we thought of that. You know, but I don't want to also go to the other end of the spectrum and just assume that they thought of it. Right. And then maybe they haven't. You know, right. I don't know what they think or don't think. And when they have these meetings, right. you know, and they skip all ideas and they have someone thinking outside the box and that sort of thing. You know, everything that we've, we've talked about and that I've talked about with others might have already been thought of. I, you know, I, I just don't know. And I think there's no harm in reaching out to them and wondering if these things have been uh, considered. And if so, what are the safeguards put in place? And that's why Elon Musk, at least, you know, after these presentations, he gives the opportunity 
for Q and A. Mm-hmm. And right now, everything has to be done through Twitter or their website. Mm-hmm. Later on, when COVID, all this nonsense is gone and done with, or at least under control, we would be able to go back to having these and uh, done the old-fashioned way. We line up and you, you know, ask mm-hmm. a question before a microphone, and then um, then they answer and so on and so forth. You know, but however it is able to be done, it's worth asking and and take fair advantage of the opportunities to um, ask them and at least watch the videos when they're live streamed. Right. And then try to get your uh, questions out there. They haven't thought of it. And if they haven't, they can say, okay, that's a good question. We're going to discuss that and get back to you. And maybe they'll exchange your email. That's Mm -hmm. usually how they seem to work, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, experience, but I, I would watch these videos and sometimes every so often someone would ask a question so profound that uh, their contact information would be taken and then there's a follow up later, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, that, would, that would be nice, you know, I guess, you know, but um, I would yeah, love to keep in contact and be able to uh, keep my eye out for um, these presentations so I can get the opportunity. Uh, to get some of these questions um, asked, you know, and see if what they say. And if they haven't thought of it, then, you know, have the opportunity to answer it in the future. So I think that's a, a good avenue to go. How else can you, how else right. can it, you know, be done, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's like all, definitely all fair points. Yeah, I mean, the, the, there's yeah, so many fascinating topics with this, you know. So, yeah, whenever you want to have me on again to talk about this and other topics related, yeah, just let me know. Awesome. Okay, thanks, Brian. Take All care. Right, sure.